Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 143, one week left of domestic football, and then it's going to be all about the national team. Uh, pretty soon we will be playing World Cup matches as well as watching the many matches that will be taking place. Some days you've got four matches in one day with the World Cup. And, uh, of course, we're getting to that time. A lot of controversy around the World Cup in Qatar, um, but it's going to finally happen. The matches are going to play. And, uh, obviously, all of us fans are looking forward to that. But let's discuss episode 143. Going to review... Uh, well, we're going to review and preview the upcoming week. First off, reviewing last week, Liga, B-Win Week 12. Big win by Casapia over Braga. Second division report, Moreirense continues to be in control in first place. Taça do Portugal roundup, no real surprises compared to what we had in the third division when eight clubs in the first division were eliminated. This one kind of went more according to plan, although we do have a small, uh, few smaller clubs that are still alive in the competition as it's now down to 16 uh, clubs. Uh, Champions League and Europa draws, uh, not too bad for Portugal. Uh, they all got, uh, I think, matched up with uh, clubs that I think uh, you could say 50-50. Uh, and in a few cases, I think the Portuguese clubs are favorite. So I got plenty to say about that coming up as well on this episode. And then I'm going to spend the second half of my episode talking about the World Cup selections by Fernando Santos. Uh, I predicted correctly 24 out of 26 I'm a little bit disappointed in the fact that um, I, I was debating whether or not I should put Renato Sanchez on, but I'll explain to you why I did. Uh, but we'll also be talking about that uh, as uh, well. Uh, but let's get going up first and, uh, you know, talking about reviewing uh, the last week, obviously the big match last week. Uh, week 12 was Casapia, which, you know, they are an incredible, just an absolutely incredible story in the sense that here is a club that, you know, was playing in the second division last year. I think a few years ago they were in the third division. And they go to Braga and record a very impressive uh, late goal uh, to beat Braga one to nothing. Braga has totally fallen apart these last six weeks. There's even, I read a report that perhaps Arthur George, their manager, his job may be in uh, jeopardy. Uh, which is to be expected when the results haven't been so well and you know things ended the way they did uh, in uh, Europe. But Gazepia has allowed only eight goals all season. They sit in fourth place. Uh, what's interesting about Gazepia is not only the fact they are in fourth place, um, but uh, they have only a, a plus four goal differential. So they're really doing it a lot on defense. They've got a great, outstanding uh, goalkeeper. Uh, but the question is, is you know, as we get uh, through this final match day this weekend and then they come back after the World Cup break, will that defense hold? Because you're going to need to score some goals throughout the rest of the season to try to stay in the top five. You look at Benfica, Benfica's a plus 28 goal difference in first place, and they're plus four in uh, fourth place. Um, and obviously, you know, Casapia gave Benfica a very hard time this year. If I recall, that was the match in Aveiro. I think that was match day two. 
But Casapia deserves a lot of credit. They are doing what you're supposed to do. And I think there's a lot of fans that surrounding that club that are very happy. Other than that, last week, I think things kind of went as expected. Uh, we saw Portimonense beat Gil Vicente 2-1. Gil Vicente still looking to hire their uh, manager. Uh, they're going with an interim from now. We saw Roca. Uh, Anthony scoring the goal. This is the same player who last week renewed his contract. So what a way to celebrate his renewal by getting the goal to win at Vizela. We saw Porto take care of business quite easily against Passos de Ferreira, winning 4-0. Sporting, uh, tough early, but took but you know, basically pulled away for the 3-0 win at home against Guimarães. Rio beat Boa Vista in a battle of two teams from the uh, north. We saw, of course, I told you about Braga, Casapia. We saw Meritimu. They've been doing pretty well their last four matches. Two wins and a, excuse me, um, three draws and a win. And they've managed to, um, you know, look, they're still at the bottom. And, and to be honest you, a draw, it's better than losing. But, you know, they need a lot of points to get out of this bottom. But they nevertheless drew at home with Fama. Astoril Praia got beat up pretty badly by Benfica. Wasn't much of a contest. And, uh, and then everything wrapped up on Monday night with Desportivo do Chaves and Santa Clara uh, playing to a uh, nil-nil draw. Benfica continues to take control with uh, 34 uh, points. Porto in second with 26. So this weekend, Benfica saw the opportunity to increase their lead to eight points. Uh, Braga uh, basically in third place with 25 points. And again, that just tells you the absolutely great start that they had at the beginning of the season because lately they haven't been doing very well, yet they have 25 points and they are in third place. And I think that even speaks to how much worse sporting has been this year and the fact that uh, they're only in fifth with 22 points. Uh, Casapia in fourth place, as you know, sporting in fifth, 22 points. Guimarães in sixth with 20. And then you've got Portimonense in Aroca, seventh place with 19 points. Uh, Passos de Ferreira, this is a club with a long history in the uh, first division. And again, they're down with uh, two points. Gil Vicente is in 16th place with nine. So right now, Passos is seven points underneath the line, and that is in big trouble for them. Maritimo, again, slowly, ever so slowly, are they trying to um, you know get back in it and... Uh, Again, they're starting to, uh, you know, inject some life into their hopes of trying to uh, climb the uh, table. But uh, the bottom of the league with Santa Clara, Familia Confama, uh, Vizela, Riwav, uh, these are teams that are kind of doing what everyone expected them to do. Although Santa Clara, a lot of people thought they would be doing a little bit better. But that's uh, pretty much what happened last week uh, in Week 12. And then when you go to the uh, second division, uh, again, Moreirense continues to take control uh, last week, uh, Moreirense defeated FC Porto B 3-2. to uh, The week before, Moreirense went to Seychelles, lost to Benfica B 3-2. to Moreirense again playing FC Porto B this time, so they pretty much are playing the two big-name clubs in the second division. And this time, this past weekend, they defeated FC Porto B 3-2. to Again, in first place by seven points over Fadence from the Algarve. But again, Fadence from the Algarve does have one last match. Uh, Benfica B... With 22 points in third place, FC Porto B in fourth place, uh, as long as Estrela Medura, each of them have 19 points. And then in fifth place, you've got Vila Frequente and Feirense from the Feira with 18 points. Uh, what's interesting also about the bottom is Bisad. I know a lot of people, and I understand, that are not big fans of Bisad. Um, basically for the simple reason 
that, uh, you know, B-Sod is basically a club that, uh, you know, used to have the Bill and Inter's name. They had the fallout. They had to basically leave. Um, and as a result, uh, they basically didn't play in the Rostol anymore. It's a whole complicated affair. But at the end of the day, uh, B-Sod now sitting in 17th place in the relegation zone. And uh, look, a lot of season left. The difference between 17th place with 8 points and 13th place with 11 points is very small. So there's, you know, you win a few matches. You have an opportunity to kind of climb the table quickly because so many of the teams at the bottom have so few points. But B-Side would be an incredible story. And not the one that they want to hear about the fact that they have just continued to struggle and struggle and struggle. Meanwhile, their namesake, the main name, Bill and Inters, the U-Bill and Inters, the original club, seems to be putting on a pretty decent campaign in the third division. So that's a very interesting you know, situation there. Uh, my club that I've been following, the second division, Turians from Torres Vedras, uh, they lost last week. But... They're sitting in uh, 15th place, but they're not necessarily in the bottom uh, three. And again, Mori Dance is controlling uh, the second division uh, this uh, weekend. And uh, when we go to talking about the Taça do Portugal, again, fourth round, not really a lot to say. Uh, all the teams that had to win, they did. Uh, Villa Verdense got it going early on Tuesday morning, beating Oliveira do Hospital. We saw Roca in a battle of first division teams take care of Gil Vicente easily, 4-1. Varzim won their match 1-0. We saw Porto go to Mafra. Some people thought this might be a tough match. Sergio Conceição warned about avoiding the Taça, avoiding the upset, and they did winning 3-0. Um, some big things happening uh, with uh, Porto. You know, you've got a Stakio this week, Stefan Stakio, three goals and two assists in his last uh, four matches. Uh, a lot of things going the right way for Porto, but there was some controversy uh, in that Porto match. Uh, Sergio Conceição was sent off, and then immediately the next day, a bit of a public relations war through the press between them and the referee organizations. And 21 times in Portugal, Sergio Conceição has been uh, sent off. I mean, that is pretty incredible stat uh, when you uh, think about it. Um, Porto putting out a lot of uh, social media about, you know, how unfair it is and how they have different criteria. And if you're a Porto fan, you obviously are going to feel that way. But uh, again, more controversy, even though Porto uh, won. Um, also, we saw Academico do Vizel beat Camacha. We saw Vitoria Setubal. Remember them in the first uh, division a few years ago? They dropped down to the third because of uh, financial issues. They beat a team called Pedro Pinheiro, 4-1. to one. Uh, we also had uh, the wins for first and second division clubs with Nacional, Fama, Leixões. How about this name, Rabu Peixe, which means fishtail, but when I think of Rabu, I think of, uh, well, the other word. But I've seen a lot of people on social media joking about it. But this club is pulling off a surprise. They are still alive, and they're one of these small clubs that are alive uh, going into this uh, round of 16 along with uh, third division Vila Verdance. Uh, Beta Mod is also alive. Beta Mod, a club with a history many years in the first division, although not necessarily in the past uh, 10 years, but they also won. Casapia also won their match in Jumur against Valadares Guia. We saw Guimarães needing extra time, but they defeated, defeated Vizela in a match between a pair of Division One teams. And, of course, Benfica, after having it so easy on the weekend, winning 5-1 to one 
Benfica basically on a goal, a bicycle kick by David Neres, and they defeat Estoril Praia 1-0 to advance. Uh, Benfica, listen to this story, 24 wins. It's the 12th time in their history that they've gone 24 matches without a loss. Um, and uh, there's a tremendous account called Playmaker in Portugal. Um, they basically had a great stat. No team, when leading the second, when they're leading the second uh, place team by eight points, has ever failed to, uh, you know, they've won the Liga title every time when they've had at least an eight-point lead. So is that a things to come? I don't know. Uh, Benfica also gave away their first away goal since April the 1st. Uh, again, just a lot of things going right for Benfica. And let me also tell you something else about Benfica. And again, I'm always going to be objective here. Some weeks I'm going to upset Porto fans. Some weeks I'm going to upset Guimarães fans. Um, but very interesting thing about uh, Benfica, when you talk about there's just been so much positive news, is there's been some news lately about their CEO, Domingo Suarez Oliveira, which is the financial guy there, uh, the right arm, the CEO of the team. And uh, I think I mentioned it briefly last week, you know, he went to the game in Paris. He didn't have great seats. He wasn't happy with the administrator on the club that gave him the seats. And apparently there's some issues. And that's been on the front page of two newspapers. And, you know, I, and, and I'm going to be objective when I say this, but I guess when you don't have anything negative, if this is the negative that Benfica has, that the, the CEO may not be getting along with people, then that just tells you how well Benfica is doing, if that's really the only thing that the press could find to be very negative about Benfica. And look, we know Porto's o jogo. We know Sporting tends to be with the record. We know a ball is, very, is a, a you know, Benfica newspaper. Um, we, you know, we've heard this all our lives. It's one of the first things you discover when you become a Portugal fan is, you know, as soon as you tell somebody you want to buy a newspaper, they're going to ask you which one. Um, that happened to me once. I remember, you know, many years ago when I would buy the, the newspaper. And I remember a lot of times I would switch between the Ojugu, the Record, and the Ebola. I do that all the time. I, I try and, you know, I'm not going to buy all three newspapers. And um, it was always funny how if I said that I was the record, ah, you're a sporting fan, or I said it was Benfica, well, you know, you're a baller, so that you must be a Benfica fan. And I know that sounds normal, but it still takes some getting used to uh, whenever you're in those uh, situations, because obviously I live in a, a much more uh, different culture, but Benfica just really taking care of business. Um, and by the way, did you see the Benfica B goalkeeper Suarez, the goal he scored uh, this week in the second division, cross field? Scored a goal, uh, amazing goal, and obviously he just renewed his contract uh, a month ago with Benfica B, so he's doing pretty well. So Benfica also advances to the round of 16, and then everything came to a close on Thursday. B-Sad being victorious, at least, in the Taça de Portugal, beating Mashiku 4-0, and we also saw Braga having a very difficult time. This was a very good match. Because you talked about Braga, third place in the first division, playing the first place team in the second division. And Moreirense, who's been perfect this year, um, but they uh, they suffered their second loss in three matches after being undefeated for a very, very long uh, time. So the Taça de Portugal has 16 teams. As I'm dropping this episode, I can't say right now. I don't have the information on when the draw is. I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to do the draw right away especially when you think about the fact that uh, they're not going to be playing those matches until the month of January. But I assume within the next week or probably within the next three weeks, they're going to be doing uh, the draw, and we'll see where everything falls in the uh, round of uh, 16. Uh, Champions League draws, Europa draws, Europa Conference draws. Um, 
My opinion is that I think the Portuguese teams came out looking little pretty good. Um, it could have been a lot worse. A lot worse. And the reality of the matter was that it wasn't. And I think if you're, you know, Porto got Inter. Porto's had a lot of success against Italian teams with Sojo Conceição. Conceição, of course, has a lot of emotion with Inter. He played for them. But Conceição has always beaten Italian teams at home, and I think he's advanced in just about all the matches in European ties against them. So, uh, But Inter, nevertheless, obviously very strong team in Italy, one of the better teams in the division. So a very, very good Champions League match uh, between these two teams to come. Uh, we saw Benfica playing Bruges. I can tell you right now that a lot of teams want Bruges and Benfica got it. And again, everything just going right for Benfica. Unbelievable. Now, Bruges, we saw what they did in Porto. They obviously, um, you know, didn't necessarily win their group, but they qualified. And, you know, obviously Porto went and beat them up pretty good. But I think if you're Benfica, you got to be pretty happy about this. And, um, you know, Yermachuk, by the way, will be coming back uh, to play against uh, Benfica in this match. He's with uh, Bruges. Um, so uh, a very good draw for Benfica. I think no doubt, obviously, much better than Burtus. Sporting got the Danish club Mitteljain. Um, I believe Benfica played them last year in trying to qualify for Champions League in one of the early matches, if I recall correctly. We, we've come across this uh, club from Denmark several times before, but I think if you're sporting, not bad, but again, they're not going to be easy. Again, this isn't the sporting of last year or two years ago. You can't be sitting there and thinking you're that much better. Uh, but again, it could have been a lot worse for a sporting. And Braga got a tough draw, in my opinion, of all the teams. And relative to where they are in the Europa, I think they got the tough draw playing Fiorentina. Fiorentina's in the middle of the pack in Syria. They're having an okay season. I think Braga is doing a little bit better than them this year in terms of the numbers. Uh, but Fiorentina, uh, again, a team from Syria, they're obviously going to be taking this competition very seriously. So I think Braga got a tough draw and, and things not going well for Braga. And again, a lot of question marks about Braga. They did advance to the round of 16. But uh, if you're Braga, you um, you know you got uh, you know you got a tough draw with Fiorentina, and uh, Braga, by the way, has made 10 million between the Europa and they got about 300,000 for qualifying for the Europa Conference League. So 10 million euros. I read that story is really not too bad for that type of size of club. Uh, I think that's uh, you know pretty darn uh, good money for a club like Braga, 10 uh, million. It wouldn't be a big a good amount of money for the big three because you know they obviously want to make more money and. We know Porto and Benfica are making 60 million uh, euros plus. But for a club like Braga in this type of competition, this is a pretty good uh, result. Uh, but let's get going previewing before I get talking about uh, my thoughts on Fernando Santos' selection. Uh, week 13, round 13, the final match day before we go into the World Cup break. And then there is no Liga football until the end of December. Although, of course, we will have Tasa the Liga. And I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. But uh, basically, the best match, in my opinion, uh, this week, you know, th there's no standout matches, so you kind of have to look at the table. You know, um, Boa Vista Porto, I think, is a good match. Boa Vista started the season well, but I think they've kind of been okay since. So I'm not really safe to say that Boa Vista Porto is the best match. Guimarães is playing Meritimo. We know how that, you know, they're doing better, but it's not a great match. I think Benfica, Joe Vicente. Benfica should roll over uh, Joe Vicente. But to me, the best match here this weekend is definitely Portimonense Braga. Portimonense having an above average season in seventh place. They're very happy with that. 
Uh, and then, of course, Braga in third place, but we know Braga's had some struggles, and now they've got to go down and play a team that's having a very, very good season. And I think this is a very, very dangerous game for Braga. Interestingly about Brutimunens, they've scored 11 goals, they've allowed 12, minus one goal differential, whereas Braga goes into that match with a plus 16 goal differential. But just remember that the 27 goals they scored were really in the first eight or nine matches of the season for them. Uh, when you really think about it. So I don't think, um, you know, we can look at this match and say this is an easy one for uh, Braga. Um, and that's going to be, uh, that in my opinion is the best match this weekend. And an interesting thing also with the scheduling because of the Tasa de Portugal. No Friday match. We only have two matches on Saturday. Aroca, Rio Ave, get it going at 1,800 hours. Then you've got the Porto Derby, uh, Boa Vista Porto. And then you've got... Six matches on Sunday. You've got uh, Guimenez, Meritimo, Passos, Vizela, both of them playing at 15.30. And this doesn't happen a lot, but again, this is because of the scheduling and having getting everything done for the international break. you got three matches going on at 1,800 hours in Portugal on Sunday. you got Casa Pia Chaves, you got Benfica, Gil Vicente, and you got Portimonens, Braga. And then the last match to wrap it up on Sunday night is Fama at home to Sporting. Remember, outside of last season... Fama had gone a few years where Sporting never beat them. Um, I think the first time Sporting beat him last season was in the Tasa de Liga. But Familia Kong does have a bit of a history. Obviously, Pote and Newgard came from Familia Kong, Fama. So there's a little bit of a history there. So this could be a, a pretty difficult match for uh, Sporting. Fama, again, struggling at the bottom, but they may get up uh, for this game. And then everything wraps up on Monday and really the last Liga B-Win match until the end of December, and that's Santa Clara playing Estoril, Estoril looking to lick their wounds after suffering back-to-back uh, -back, uh, matches, uh, basically against, uh, you know, suffering back-to-back -back losses uh, to uh, Benfica. Uh, quick look at the second division for this upcoming week. Uh, yeah, weekend, uh, everything gets going on Friday with Turiens, my club in the second division, playing Vila Frequens. Um, again, not a great week. With a lot of interesting matches, but if you had to tell me one, it's going to be Tundela, Moreirense. Moreirense again, first place, uh, Tundela in eighth place, but Tundela's been playing pretty good lately, and I think that's why I would say that that's uh, the uh, best match. Uh, and again, Moreirense in control in the second division. And then uh, next week, next Thursday, so you're going to have the national team players meeting up at Cidadu Football on Monday. And then, of course, you're going to have. Next Thursday in Alvala, the send-off match, Portugal playing Zapazeru, the Portuguese manager in Nigeria, and they'll be playing that at 18.45 Portugal time. That's uh, 1.45 in the afternoon in uh, North America on the uh, East Coast. And, you know, if you're living in London, a beautiful London, or in Europe, or in Portugal, man, it is not easy for us. I talk about this a lot in the... You know, in the east coast of the you know of the United States and Canada, where so many of these games are being played in the middle of the afternoon, and, and so many of us are working, or we've got people you know doing the work for us with uh, you know social media and things like that. Uh, but very interesting, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, with regards to the fact that you have these uh, afternoon matches, and Portugal Nigeria will be on a Thursday afternoon, eighteen forty-five. And the only thing I can guess why they're playing this early in the day. I mean, this is even kind of early in Portugal. Uh, I think it's probably because Portugal is going to be leaving for Qatar right after the match. 
Uh, that could be my only thing of maybe why they're playing on Thursday uh, at that hour. I'm uh, going to come up with part two here in a minute and going to talk to you about my thoughts. I'm also going to have a lot of fan comments from Twitter. A lot of you had a lot to say about the selections, and we're going to talk about that as well coming up in part two. <laughs> Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back. First off, uh, I say this every week, but I don't say it enough. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast, for listening, whether it's for a certain part of this episode, whether it's for the entire episode. Uh, I get some great numbers. A lot of people stick around for a long time to listen to it. Uh, not to mention that the numbers just continue to grow. I'm, I'm always getting uh, DMs and emails from new people that uh, come across it. And uh, I want to say thank you for your support. And again, people always say, how can I support you? You know, I don't do Patreon and that stuff. Um, I always say to them, you know, whether you're a big uh, you know, iTunes person, Anchor, Google Podcast, uh, you know, Spotify, whatever it may be, give this podcast a follow. And that will be highly, highly appreciated. And again, if you have any comments, uh, complaints, uh, you don't like something I say or you want me to talk about something, please uh, let me uh, know. But uh, let's talk national team because that's going to be the dominant conversation for pretty much, I hope, will be the next uh, five to six weeks. And that is, of course, uh, Fernando Santos on Thursday afternoon announced his 26 players. Um, I predicted on uh, Twitter, I've you know, been changing things a little bit week to week, but on Twitter on uh, Wednesday evening, I put out my uh, list of 26 players, and I'm happy to say that I got 24 out of 26 right. Um, and I'm a little bit disappointed because the two I missed, a lot of people kept saying it was going to happen, and I should have listened to them, but I didn't. But let me let me give you my uh, the, the, what I had and what Santos had. We obviously know Diego Costa, uh, José Sá, and Patricio are the goalkeepers. Uh, Sá has never had a cap uh, for uh, Portugal, but he uh, debuts. We all know Diego Costa of Porto is going to be the starting goalkeeper, so no really no surprise there. Defense, again, no really no surprise uh, with the exception of one. We know Cancelo, Diego Dolo, uh, Menge, uh, Rafael Guerrero, um, Ruben Diaz, uh, Pep from Porto. Looks like he's going to be playing this weekend for Porto. And that's good news for the national team because they need his leadership in the back. If Pep plays like he did last year when they played against Juventus in the, uh, was it two years ago? Porto played against Juventus in the Champions League round of 16. Remember that uh, match in Turin? If Pep can go back to playing like the way he did that night for Portugal, man, that's going to help out Portugal a lot. Uh, Danilo, he's on the squad. And I had uh, Dajolo as my defender because he was called up back in, uh, you know, for the two Nations League matches in September. But Antonio Silva got it. And I didn't pick Antonio Silva for this reason. You know, managers like Paulo Bento, Felipe Scolari, Umberto Coelho, um, the people that have been managers for Portugal for as long as I've been following Portuguese football, Portuguese soccer, players that are always really doing very well for their club and in good form, they always tended to get the call instead of just calling the same players. And I've kind of gotten used to, with Fernando Santos, that he's going to call his consistent group of players and he's not necessarily going to take a chance bringing in a player that hasn't you know, uh, been with the national team, period. It's one thing if you're with the national team like José Saab, but you've never gotten the chance to play, but you've been with the team. You know what it's like to be around the team. Uh, this kid, Antonio Silva, you know, has no experience. And um, I'm not knocking it. Um, I just wonder 
if we have issues and there's injuries, um, and you know, obviously he's not going to start. He's not going to start probably the group matches. But if there are some injuries and he has to play, especially if it's we get out of the group, which I anticipate we will, and we play, you know, these elimination matches, how comfortable people are going to be to have an 18-year-old in the back? And look, if he's successful, he's going to make Benfica a lot of money. But if he's not successful, can that disappointment hurt him if people criticize Fernando Santos like they always do? So uh, I was surprised. Again, I. I had when I put out the list, people were like, "Well, you know, the media is saying reports that Antonio Silva is going to be picked," uh, but sometimes the media say things and they don't come true. A lot of them predicted that Gonzalo Guedes was going to be on the squad; he wasn't. But uh, I was a bit surprised at this, not because I don't think he's good enough. I just didn't think he was going to take a chance on such a young player. But congratulations to Antonio Silva. I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, you know, throw throw cold water on his celebration. This is fantastic for the kid. He is the next big young player in Portugal. Everybody's going to tweet about to get uh, followers, tack like they're experts. You know, everyone's going to be tweeting about him. Forget about the Liga. Let's just tweet about him. And good for the kid. He gets all this attention. But the question now is he's got to live up to it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, then, you, of course, you have, uh, you know, in the midfielder, Ruben Neves having a great year. According to Statman Dave Twitter account, he has scored this year 50%. Of Wolves' goals. Uh, Ruben Neves having a great year. João Paulinha, really well with Fulham. William Carvalho, we knew he was going to be called up. Uh, big Fernando Santos is a big fan. Vitinha, PSG's Vitinha, of course, no surprise. Mateus Nunez, he's one of three Wolves players on the squad. Uh, Renato Sanchez, uh, well, actually not Renato Sanchez. João Mario gets the uh, call. João Mario's played very well. With Benfica, and I think he deserved this. Um, I picked Renato Sanchez because, as so many people said this on Twitter, he was one of our best players at Euro 2016. He didn't play in the 2018 World Cup. And then in the most recent Euro, he was one of our better players. The kid really steps up to play for Portugal. He hasn't played a lot, though, recently. He's had injuries with PSG. And things haven't gone very well for him. And as a result, uh, in a sense, João Mario, from a production level, is having a better season in terms of what he's bringing to Benfica and resuscitating his career and doing much better under Schmidt than what we're seeing of Sanchez. But João Mario has not necessarily been the greatest player for the national team. He just hasn't been. Renato has, and that's really my biggest worry because if we kind of have the same type of uh, Euro like we just had, um, you know, with the postponed Euro a year later, you know, it was okay, but we, you know, we were eliminated by Belgium. You know, Renato was one of the best players. It's the truth. Um, but anyway, uh, I got that wrong. So that was the, uh, that and Antonio Silva, the only two that I got wrong. I got Bernardo right, Bruno right, and Otavio Porto. But let's be honest with you, that wasn't, that wasn't very uh, difficult at all. And then the players up front, Rafael Leon, um, Joan Felix, by the way, rumors, Joan Felix to PSG. If, if he's not being productive at, um, Atletico, I don't see how him going to all those stars in PSG would be better. Maybe it will resuscitate, resuscitate his career. I don't know. But in my opinion, um, I don't know. Um, you know, PSG, I don't know, Joao. Stay in Atletico or try to find another club where you're going to play. Because if you're not happy playing at Atletico, how are you going to be happy playing at PSG with all that talent? Uh, Ricardo Huerta, no surprise. He just congratulations to Huerta. He scored his 100th goal uh, in his career for Braga. 
And uh, they beat, uh, of course, they won the Tassa de Portugal match against Moreirense. Uh, first player in Braga history to score 100 goals for Braga's club. Uh, Andre Silva, I would have gone with Jota Celtic. Again, if you're going with players in form, and Fernando Santos doesn't tend to pick that way, uh, but you know, which is why I didn't pick Antonio uh, Silva. I went with Dejolo, but here he stuck with the veteran. He went with Andre Silva, and Andre Silva's been okay. He's been okay with the national team, but I don't know. I would have gone with uh, Jota of Celtic. I think he's uh, been very productive, and I think he deserves a chance. But again, I did. I, I that's what I think. I don't think Fernando Santos is going to take a chance, but he did on Antonio Silva. But he really didn't with anybody else. Gonzalo Ramos, he also doesn't have any caps, but he's been playing very well. Great call up there. And, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, of course, going to be playing in his uh, fifth uh, World Cup. And uh, I'll tell you, I um, I put it on Twitter, a poll. Uh, it's only been up for eight hours, and as I record this, of course. Uh, but it already has over 926 votes. Right now, early on, no surprise, uh, 67% of you think that Renato Sanchez should have been uh, called up. Um, 12% thought Pote of Sporting should have been called. 16% thought that uh, Celtics Jota should have been called. And then there was a bunch of write, uh, writing choices. Uh, but let me read off some of the comments from a lot of you followers uh, that on Twitter and those that do listen to this podcast. Um, first off, I got a fan here, Silva of Man 22 uh, remember how he was our best player in last year's Euro? Every time he plays for Portugal, he's one of our best players out there. And he's referring to Renato Sanchez should have been included. Uh, Johnny P, um, you know, he talks about how I basically made a comment about how Renato Sanchez is hurt. And he hasn't played a lot. He wasn't called up. Um, I think he might have been injured, though, but he hasn't played with the national team in a while. And some people came back at me. Um, I do remember him being injured. Um, it doesn't change the fact that he's still our most lethal midfield option, in my opinion. He's also been back for a few weeks now for PSG. I don't understand the decision. So Johnny P, not understanding the decision to leave out Renato Sanchez. Uh, another fan, another uh, follower that defended Raph. Uh, he defended Renato Sanchez, uh, the, you know, the criticism that Renato Sanchez should have been on the squad. Um, he basically said, look, he's the only midfielder that transports the ball. Portugal took four defensive mids, dot, dot, dot. Next up is Flash. That's my biggest pain point. Why so many DMs could have easily dropped one for Sanchez. I think that's a very, uh, very, very uh, valid point. And then you had some people that thought it was a good decision. Danny from Canada. Uh, barely playing at PSG. That's pretty much the reason why he wasn't called. Uh, uh, given the other options you provided from Crispy Chris, I've mentioned his uh, tweets in the past. Hi, Chris. Uh, given the other options you provided, how can it not be Renato? Um, yep. Well, a lot of people did think it's Renato, 67%. Uh, Diani Martini. He was injured during the last Cup World call-up, so he couldn't have been called up. He just came back recently to PSG. He's been fairly decent since his return, but has been fighting for playing time. That said, he deserves the call-up over Nunes all day long. So those were some very interesting comments. Uh, let me keep going here. Look at this. My friend back full of Tofi. I would have gone with Jota. Been great dance. He moved, been great since he's moved to Celtic. Could really be a great option as an impact sub. Hey, like I said, he's done very well with Celtic. A lot of people don't know Celtic had like 65,000 fans a game. 
They have a humongous following. Humongous. Ask Porto fans that were in Seville when they played Celtic back in 2004 about uh, the Celtic following. Uh, major, major following, and he's handled that pressure, and he's done it well. And yeah, I, I agree. I think he deserves it. Uh, Twit to go. Where is no mistake option? Well, that's your opinion. Uh, yeah, you know what? We'll see if, if, if in fact, um, you know, everything works out well. Uh, Arnav Sharma. There is definitely a mistake with this squad, even though I like it a lot. Renato is the major change, and he could have been very useful. So another one liking Renato. Paul Rodriguez, easily Renato. Again, he voted for Renato. But Guedes after. Not much pace up top outside of Lyon. Guedes has pace and strength. I agree with you, Paul. My only thing is I think Gonzalo Guedes scored for the first time this weekend in like um, five or six months. You know, obviously he's with Wolves now, and... I got to be honest with you, when you play the position that he plays, uh, you're expected to not have to go five or six months without scoring. So I think that played a factor. Um, Celeso Musings, uh, one, Renato, two, Jota. Really wanted both of them there. Uh, flash, another Flash. It would be interesting to see what Jota could do with this team. Him and Beto are two players that I would have really liked to see play. A lot of people were talking about Beto. He plays for Udinese. Uh, another one said uh, Jota, Renato, and Beto should have been in the squad. Uh, Cinephile. No one, honestly, this is the best team we have currently, so he's agreeing with the selection. Uh, Celtic Jota is young and is too average, he says. Sanchez is what everybody's going to miss, but lately he has been off. Nick Santos, even as a huge fan of Renato, completely understand his omission, hasn't played enough at PSG. Uh, he also adds, only change would have been Rafa Silva Forta, but that obviously wasn't possible. Uh, an unusual Stan, Rafa Silva, if somehow he was available, other than that, it's fine. So he's happy. Nabil Mad, Renato, he says. But he dug his own grave by joining PSG. Guedes should have been there in place of Horta. Hi, uh, Matios. Miguel Crespo. Portugal's loss. Turkey gain. Yeah, he's playing in uh, Portugal. So, But uh, he's never been in the discussion to be on the national team, though, Miguel Crespo. Uh, Sam Fonseca from uh, the, the Sporting uh, English account. Uh, Betu for me. Of course, he's talking about Betu. From you to Nance. Uh, Juan Leon, 1906. I agree. The presence he brings is unmatched. He's talking about Renato Sancho. 6'4", fast, strong, pretty good technical ability. Has more goals than Andre Silva, too. Think we could have tried something new with Beto. So there you go. Um, Eddie Armand. Uh, it doesn't really matter. When you're getting that far down, they aren't going to play anyway. <laughs> you know, Eddie? You probably bring up a good point. Uh, James Hilario. I'd have Renato starting over the likes of Bruno, who hasn't shown in a tournament yet for Portugal. Renato is a tournament player. Well, I'll tell you what, can't uh, disagree with James on that one. We know that Renato, when he's played for the national team, has been one of the uh, better players. Uh, Joe Barbosa is going with the popular choice, and that's uh, they need a new coach. Uh, Rui C. didn't like the uh, João Martinho. I guess, you know, let me see. Uh, some people, I guess, put João Martinho, and he put a question mark, João Martinho. Uh, Danny Saldana, Jato or Beto for me, maybe even Guedes. Renato barely plays. Uh, Anna Cristina Almeida, Florentino. She thinks Florentino should have been called up. Daniel Val. I kind of want to say Renato because he was the only one that gave us some life in the Euros, but he is very, very injury prone, and 
Again, that's very true about what not to do. And uh, Jimmy Ennis, all these names being dropped. And a little mention of the best and most trusted insurance premium, Joseph Font. If we were going old, no reason why he's not included. He's better shaped than most of our guys. I'll agree. Um, Font, uh, I know he just uh, did some great things with Lil and uh, things working for him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Joseph Font. Would Joseph Font been a better choice than Antonio Silva? Does the fact that Antonio Silva has huge market value play into the decision? They're going to say no. But if this is the World Cup, don't you want to put the best team? So, interesting. And then uh, we'll wrap it up here. Last comment by Florentino. And he says that uh, the player that was uh, left out was uh, Florentino. Zach Silva says that. So those are some of the many comments. And going to talk more next week. We're going to obviously preview uh, the match against Ghana, which interestingly for us in North America falls on Thanksgiving Day. Um, so we've got a lot to uh, talk about that. So... Um, look, the pit, the 26 he picked, there's a lot of good talent here. There's a lot of good talent here. Nobody should be ashamed or feel like we're not going to, we don't have enough talent to win. We have talent to win. Um, to me, I think Portugal at the very least needs to go to the final four, the semifinals. I think they're that good. But having said that, is Fernando Santos going to take some chances? Um, you know, we played Spain and we lost at home. Um, are we going to be disappointed? Is and and we'll find out. And you know, if they don't do very well, Fernando Santos is gonna, you know, he's not going to be coming back. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are the fan comments. Thank you all of you for remarking, and I, and I really appreciate it. There were so many of them, and sorry I couldn't get to all of them, by the way. Uh, but I got through with uh, most of them. But um, so we'll see. Uh, again, national team on Monday starts to prepare a Sidadu football. They play this match against Nigeria on Thursday in Alvalade, and then they go to Qatar and a week later. And again, not a lot of preparation this year. Compared to usually you have two or three weeks, you've only got really, you know, uh, in terms of between the first game, a week and a half, which is not a lot. But again, these are players that play for some of the biggest clubs in the world. So you would expect that these players are going to be ready and uh, prepared uh, because that should be enough when you're getting paid as much money as uh, they do. Uh, let me wrap up this episode like I always do, and that's talking about, yes, my favorite club. Obviously, it's Arsenal in the Premier League, and I'm about Arsenal this year. Uh, but my club in Portugal, the one that I dream could work their way up to the second division, I, I, the city of Arcos can't, they just don't have enough to be a first division club. But my team, of course, Atletico do Arcos, they continue in first place. In their districts in the Viano do Castelo last week, defeating Neves 3-2. And uh, they are now in first place. 24 points, 3 points ahead of Limianos from Punta Lima. And uh, again, uh, nothing really changed at the top. All the three teams at the top. Vitorino de Pionj is in third with 19 points. But a big win for Arcus. It's always a big win. This week, Atletico do Arcus at home in the Estadio do Cutada. Uh, they're going to be playing Castellense, which is in the relegation zone of this uh, division. And uh, again, uh, you know, Atletico just scored 24 goals. They've only surrendered 9 plus 15 goal differential. Uh, this team, Castellense, has only scored 4 goals, and they've given up 12 for a minus 8 goal differential. So on paper, on paper... This should be a very strong win for Atletico Darcus, but we all know sometimes everyone has a bad day. But again, uh, I always end my podcast talking about them, and there you go for uh, episode 143. Folks, uh, look, 
um, national team talk, PortugueseSoccer.com, PortugueseSoccer.com, Twitter, Facebook, our partner, PortugueseSoccer underscore Noticias. Uh, Going to have it all up to date for you. Um, tweet a lot of stuff. Retweeting a lot of stuff from some of the best accounts on uh, Twitter. Uh, hopefully Elon Musk does a great job with Twitter and gets rid of a lot of the uh, fake accounts. Uh, I do love the edit button. Some of you have probably noticed I've been uh, using that. Uh, and, um, you know, it's an exciting time of the year, although it, for a lot of us it's going to be strange because uh, we're used to the big competitions taking place in June. And instead, for a lot of us, especially in North America, the first games are like, I think, 5 in the morning, and we're going to get up and it's going to be dark, it's going to be cold. But that's the way it goes. But at the end of the day, the football, the soccer, you hope it warms up. And um, I'm looking forward to the first Portugal game. Thanksgiving Day, um, two great things about it. To see the family and then to see Portugal play uh, before I have to deal with my cousins and all their talk about the Dallas Cowboys later on in the afternoon on uh, Thanksgiving. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys uh, fan. Anyway, folks, going to wrap up episode 143. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your follows. Um, again, really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.